Hi, welcome to Talking Brains, a podcast about mental health, books, and what makes brains happy. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Sarkis. Hi, I hope you're having a good day. I'm going to talk to you about four ways that you can combat anticipatory anxiety, and these are techniques I use with my clients. So there's also a written version of this on uh, my Psychology Today blog, so you can check that out. There's a link on the website blog, so stephaniesarkis.com blog, and that'll take you to that. Um, or you can just go to directly to Psychology Today and you can read the written version of this. So some of the main points I'm going to be talking about are um, anticipatory anxiety can happen before an event or before you think something might happen. So it's that kind of feeling of hypervigilance sometimes that something is about to occur or you know that a big event is about to happen, like maybe speaking before a group. Um, it's an anxiety about what's to come. And one of the points I'm going to make is that exercise can significantly reduce anxiety. And the more you exercise, studies have shown the greater the benefit it is to reduce your anxiety. And also to lessen anticipatory anxiety, answer your what ifs. So your what ifs are the things that you uh, say to yourself, like, what if this happens? What if that happens? If you go ahead and answer those, sometimes that helps reduce your anxiety. And it can determine whether a thought you're having is a fact or a speculation. Because when you have anxiety your brain is really good at coming up with speculation rather than what actually is true in the moment. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But anticipatory anxiety is the anxiety you feel before something happens, before you think something's going to happen. So in evolutionary times, we would, um, if we had a saber-toothed tiger coming after us, it was normal to feel some sense of anxiety, some sense of heightened awareness, some sense of something bad might happen. But sometimes that happens even when there isn't something bad that's about to happen. It could just be a feeling of foreboding, a feeling of something's about to be bad. Um, and anxiety is a little bit different than fear. Fear is you have a thing that you have legitimate rational fear about. Uh, anxiety is when you're not even sure really what the fear is or what your concern is. It's more of just a vague feeling of great unease or even panic attacks. So uh, it's normal to have anxiety before you do a big presentation, your first day of school, or uh, whether you're a student or a teacher, or any other event that has significance in your life. Uh, sometimes anticipatory anxiety can happen, you're not sure why. Your brain tends to go to worst case scenarios when you have anticipatory anxiety. So your brain just goes to, okay, so what if the entire thing burns down and, and everything's ruined? Your brain tends to not go to, hey, what if things go well? It goes to worst case scenario. So you may have been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and you experience anticipatory anxiety on, on somewhat of a regular basis, or it may be that it comes up for you from time to time. Um, everyone's experienced anticipatory anxiety to some degree, but it can really start impacting your day-to-day -day life and just how you function, even how you interact with people. So here are four ways that I help my clients cope with anticipatory anxiety. Some of these are based in cognitive behavioral therapy methods. So first, answer your worst case scenarios. So if you're experiencing a lot of what ifs, and if you have worrying tendencies, you kind of know what what ifs are. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I speak in front of the group and I pass out? What if I, I go to work and I have a terrible day and I get fired? So we tend to go to extremes with that. So write down all the what ifs that you have that could happen. And now I want you to answer each of those with how you would handle that situa situation if it shows up. So 
sometimes answering those and giving your answers to the what ifs helps you come up with an actual solution that helps reduce anxiety. It's helping you come up with a plan. And sometimes when we have a plan, it helps us kind of put things in a perspective. So if you're anxious about not waking up on time for work, uh, what's the worst possible scenario? It could be that you show up late to work and you're fired. So you go, okay, so what if I show up to work and I'm fired? Well, you could find another job and maybe it's a job that will work better with your sleep schedule. So the bottom line is that you'll be okay. So again, write out your what ifs and answer them to the best of your ability and try not to criticize yourself while you're writing them out. Um, just write out uh, pretty realistic solutions. So uh, what if um, what if I'm at work and a fire starts in my house? Well, you have smoke detectors. You have, maybe you've got uh, enabled cameras, web enabled cameras that notify you. Maybe um, you have a neighbor that kind of watches your house for you. So you answer all these questions. So it's really helpful to write that all out and then you can review those when those what ifs crop up again and then it becomes a habit of answering them and then those what ifs tend to not be so big. So next you really want to incorporate movement of any type exercise into your daily routine. So when you exercise studies have shown that your level of anxiety naturally decreases. And studies have also found, especially a study in 2018, found that the more intense your exercise is, the more significant relief you have from anxiety. So the higher your heart rate goes, once you get in that target heart rate zone, the study found that people in this, uh, that had anxiety had a greater drop of symptoms when they had more intense exercise. So this happens whether you have elevated anxiety or a diagnosed anxiety disorder, either way, your anxiety levels will start dropping if you exercise. And some studies have found even within 15 minutes of exercising, your executive functions improve in your frontal lobe of your brain. Those are things like mood regulation, planning, forethought, reconstitution of information. Some of the things are impaired in ADHD and can also be impaired in anxiety and depression. And again, that's after only 15 minutes of doing exercise. So uh, it doesn't matter what kind of exercise it is, it's just moving around. And I know that sometimes exercise for, for people can be a trigger word. It's a word that isn't associated with positive connotation. So it could just be playing with your kids. Uh, it could be just walking around the block. Uh, make it into an activity that is something that doesn't seem like exercise. Uh, you can also even park further away from your office and walk in or take the stairs instead of the elevator. That counts as exercise. Sometimes we need to get our exercise in kind of bite-sized pieces rather than in one hour at a time. But that counts. The, the more you do, the more you do, right? So it doesn't have to be one big chunk of exercise. You can break it down into pieces. So when you have anxiety, you can just be itching to move, but you aren't sure how to discharge the energy. So you feel like you're sometimes going to jump out of your skin is the sensation that people describe. And sometimes when you exercise, it really helps you refocus and it can be kind of a mindfulness practice where you automatically stay in the here and now while you're taking a walk. And sometimes when you're exercising or taking a walk, you wind up kind of processing some thoughts you had, or you wind up coming up with solutions for things. Uh, taking a walk is a great way to brainstorm if you're working on a project or you're writing. It helps boost your dopamine and your serotonin. Those are two neurotransmitters that can be low when you have anxiety or ADHD or depression. So again, just the simple act of just walking around the block can help boost those neurotransmitters. And they also do some other things too, like uh, they boost dopamine and serotonin, not only that, but it also reduces pro-inflammatory cytokines. So the cytokines are things that help regulate the immune system. So you're more likely to have 
and effectively regulate immune system if you exercise. So the benefits are, are pretty amazing. And again, if it's exercise is, is a word that you really do not like, just think of it as just movement. And again, just dancing around with your kids, playing, um, taking a walk. Uh, you probably get more exercise than you think. Um, I also recommend that people get a fitness watch, whether it's an Apple watch or a Fitbit or whatever brand. I'm not affiliated with any brand. Um, it's just whatever works best for you. And like the Apple watch has a little circle that you try to connect the ends of the circle if you have enough exercise. And so that's a good way to track it. It also tracks your heart rate. And I think the Fitbit may do that too. Um, there's also a sleep app on there called Auto Sleep that you can buy. Um, I find that to be really helpful just for self-care because having anxiety can really mess up your sleep cycle. And so if you have that watch, you can, um, you can really track how many hours you're sleeping, deep sleep, um, how long you're in bed before you fall asleep. And that can be good data, not only just for you, but also if you're working with a mental health professional to show them how you're doing and, and maybe even your prescribers too. So, um, so I recommend that overall. And again, it, um, when you have a watch like that, it kind of becomes a game to see how many steps you can get a day or how many minutes of exercise you can get. So you wind up challenging yourself. Sometimes people also find that they do well when they challenge someone else in exercising. So uh, if you have a friend that's you know, maybe a, a across the world somewhere in another country, you can challenge them to different forms of exercise. And some of the um, watches and apps will record each of your times and see who got the better time. Um, so that appeals to sometimes people's competitive side, especially if people were formerly um, athletes in, in college or um, in, in pro athletics, um, it, that competitiveness sometimes stays with you. And so when you compete against another person, you really tend to really shine. Um, and also the other thing you can do too is uh, just exercise with someone. They have somebody that meets you at your door and you go, go out for a walk together. Uh, when we've arranged to do an activity with someone, we tend to stick with it because we've made what's called a social contract with that person. And we tend to not want to let them down. So if someone knocks on our door, we don't just like slam the door in their face. We go out and go for a walk. So if you can team up with somebody to do that, that's great. Um, there's uh, like Meetup is an app that you can meet people. I know in my area, they have hiking groups and all sorts of different groups that do activities. And also when you're socializing, sometimes it doesn't seem like exercise as much. So also keep in mind if the ideas you're having surround your anxiety, if they're fact or speculation, because anxiety can make your brain come up with some really creative ideas about the doom that might happen to you or the, the terrible things that might occur with your anxiety or just that overall feeling of, of trepidation that something bad's going to happen. Uh, it can be really challenging to tell what's really happened and what's something that might happen because brains, especially if you're creative, you're bringing it very detailed and realistic with the different scenarios it portrays. So when your brain goes into that full mode of expressing um, these creative kind of horrible things are going to happen to you, uh, ask yourself if what you're thinking is fact or speculation. So is it undeniably true or is it something that your brain's creating? Because again, sometimes it can be really hard to tell, especially when you're having like full-blown anxiety. So for example, so let's say you have two tickets to an event and you ask a friend to go with you and your friend's like, oh, I can't really go. So you think to yourself, well, what if I can't find anybody to go with me? What if I don't have any friends? So let's look at the facts. The facts are that we know for sure you have two tickets to the concert and one of your friends said they couldn't go. That's it. The rest is speculation. 
So one of the things that I do uh, with kids is I draw a little train of worries. So you have your original thought and a kid may say to me, well, um, I think if I get a, if I get a C on this test, my mom's going to kick me out of the house. So we talk about, okay, so what's the first thought? So that's the first you know, part of the train is I might get a C on a test. Okay. Then what? Well, then my mom's going to get mad at me. Okay. And then what? And then she's going to ground me. Okay. And then what? And then I'm going to get kicked out of the house. Okay. So let's look at each of those. So have you ever gotten a C on a test before? No, I usually get A's and B's. I go, okay, so then your train ends like right there. It just ends with the first car. So have you ever gotten a C on a test? Yeah. Well, was your mom upset? No, she just you know told me that I need to study more and that she would sit down and help me study. Okay, so your train ends there. So has your mom ever gotten mad? Yeah, she got mad at me and she grounded me. Okay, so did she kick you out of the house? No, uh-uh. But, you know, I think that might happen. I go, but it hasn't happened. So the pattern that you've seen so far is this. And then I usually talk to the parents too about ways to help their kids. So, um, so it's helpful just to write out your sequence of concerns and then really look at, is this something that's happened or that you're concerned about it happening? And patterns are not destiny. So you might also think, well, when I did X, Y happens. So maybe Y is gonna happen every time I do X. Not necessarily the case. Sometimes that changes up. So if you've had a bad experience every time you do something, maybe you're going to do that thing a little bit differently and that can change your outcome. If you change one thing, sometimes that changes everything. So when you determine whether something's fact or speculation, your brain's really uh, better at detaching from that thought and you're able to stop your worrying or greatly reduce it. Um, I also um, call it your brain or your thoughts because you are not your brain, you are not your thoughts. So I think that's an important distinction to make too, that just because you think of something doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean you're endorsing it. Uh, so sometimes we just have stuff that just kind of flies through our heads. Um, so keep that in mind too, that you are not your thoughts. So also come up with a solution that's in your best interest. So if your brain is powerful enough to come up with these potentially harmful outcomes, and these things are just terrible, it also has the power to come up with a positive outcome. So think of what could happen if things went well. And sometimes people tell me, well, I don't want to think of that because then I'll get let down. But if I think of something negative, then I, I won't be surprised. But if you think about it, you know, what if you think of something good and it happens? That's happened. So think about what would happen if things went well. Ask yourself, what's the best outcome in this situation? Or what's the thing that could happen that would be in my best interest? And I think that question is, is this in my best interest? Something that we can ask ourselves just on a regular basis, because I think sometimes we get busy during the day or we're focused on helping other people, um, kids, um, people you work with. And so we don't always think about what's in my best interest, because we need to take care of ourselves first before we can take care of other people. So Say to yourself, what is in my best interest? So if you don't know what's going to happen anyway, why not come up with a positive? If you're not sure what's going to happen uh, if you wake up late, maybe the positive is nothing happens. That you wake up late and you tell your boss, hey, I'm going to be running late. And your boss is like, cool, okay, no problem. So think of what the best case scenario could be as well. So this also works after an event. So it's called reframing. It's a cognitive behavioral technique that let's say that you spoke in front of a crowd and you got nervous and you felt like you tripped over some of your words. But, uh, and so afterwards you're like, oh man, I wish I could have done a better job. I don't know what people thought of that. 
How about people thought you did a great job? Because you don't know, right? And what other people think is really none of our business anyway. So to look at it as, wow, I they must have been like okay with it. Maybe I really helped some people with my talk. Or maybe I did a great job and, and look at the skills I've learned. So it's really kind of looking at that critical parent voice that we have in our heads and replacing it with a loving parent. You did a great job. You really put forth a lot of effort on that and it shows. You've really helped a lot of people. So I think it's really important that we look at things as um, as how we can reframe things because it's really up to us if we want to look at something in a negative light or a positive light. We have the power to do one or the other and studies show that having that positive tends to help. Now that doesn't mean that you know toxic positivity is okay where we just kind of ignore what's not going well. And we only go, hey, everything's gonna be great. You know, well, there's a volcano exploding behind us. So it's more to do with, you know what? I'm gonna be okay. I've built up some resilience, I'm gonna be okay. And sometimes that's what we just need to tell ourselves is that no matter what, I'm going to be okay. So when you think of something positive that you learn from an experience, it can really help you process it and really reduce that post-event anxiety. And it can also help you prepare for events in the future too, that you may already start being attuned to that positive reframe of things. So when you are again facing a new event, it may be that what's the best possible outcome from this? Your brain may automatically go to that after practicing this for a while. So anxiety can be more easily managed when you can detach even somewhat from your anxiety. So again, you are not your thoughts. So you tell yourself, oh, well, that's just a thought. Or sometimes people use a, um, a dialectical behavior therapy technique of changing their inner voice into a silly voice, like a Donald Duck voice. And then it, you don't take it as seriously because sometimes you just have like, just again, thoughts that just fly through your head. And it doesn't mean that they have merit or truth to them. It just could be something that your brain's just coming up with. Again, if you're creative, your brain can come up with some really interesting stuff. So when you detach from it, you're really helping reduce your anxiety. And if you find out that you're having anxiety more days than not, it's impacting your quality of life, or if you have a pretty strong family history of anxiety, it might be a good idea just to speak with a mental health professional and see how they might be able to help you. Or I kind of see us as kind of like the, the guides on your path to wellness. So I would recommend calling somebody and talking with them because I think sometimes people suffer kind of needlessly when, when there are ways to, to make you feel better. So um, so that's been a little bit about four ways to combat anticipatory anxiety. So first, answer your worst case scenarios, answer your what ifs, get moving. So whatever kind of movement that is, exercise, parking further away from your office, taking the stairs instead of, of the elevator, any way that you can get some extra movement in. And also look at your thoughts and say, is this fact or speculation? Is this something that's happened or is this something that my brain's kind of concocted? And then also come up with a solution that's in your best interest. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, this is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis with Talking Brains. Uh, my website stephaniesarkis.com. And go ahead and hit that subscribe button and rate the podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye.